On the 10th of May 2009, Jeff Minchel, Wayne Millichope and I went exe from the Malverns, an easterly site. We left at more or less the same time and we were often together on the flight. Wayne flew 52 kilometres, I did 36 and Jeff did 33. Cloud base was around 4,700 feet. This podcast is a discussion amongst the three of us about the flight, the decisions we made before and during the flight, the mistakes we made and the lessons we learned on the day. You can view or download our track logs from the podcast page to see where we went, where we got low and where we got high. Firstly, Wayne explains our decision to go to the Malverns. Our decision was based on the forecast that we saw, which was for light east-northeast, and Malverns is as good a place as any to go, really. Well, I remember that the forecast on the day actually said that the further north you went, the worse the clag would be. There was um, a warm front sitting just above us. So I, my analysis of the day was that we would need to go south to get into better weather. And I think the further south you went, the better it was going to be. I remember on driving down, there was it got distinctly better the further south we were getting. So as we were getting closer to the Mulburns, we were all getting quite excited. And I remember Wayne saying that, oh, look, today you just need to join up the dots. And he was absolutely right. So, yeah, we got to the site and there was already some people high. And there was a bit of high cloud, but it was clearing. And it looked like it was going to be better a little bit later. So we all got ready. And um, I think you were first to launch, weren't you, Jeff? Yeah, although people were high when we arrived there, by the time we got set up, they weren't that high at all. It was starting to cycle a little bit. So people were getting 100, maybe 200 backs above. But then um, they'd go down as well, or, or get at least lower. So we sat around for a little while, but then it seemed like there was a group starting to climb out a little bit. So I, I was actually the first to launch for once. Flew around for a few minutes and got maybe, I think, 200, 250 above it wasn't really working and we start all started sinking again so i slope landed i was probably in there about i don't know about three minutes maybe five minutes but fortunately i managed to get back on the slope rather than go down to the bottom and that uh, gave me the chance to fly again yeah i was on launch right behind wayne i'd got myself boxed in a little bit with people being in front of me there was a guy in a an XE2 who um, conveniently laid out right in front of me and I, I would have had to run over his wing to launch. But um, I saw you in that thermal and thought that you were probably in the tail end of it. Um, so I decided to wait for a, a different one, a better sign. It came about f- five minutes after you slope landing. Suddenly a couple of guys who looked as if they were going to go down started climbing up just over the town and I launched straight into that. I think I shouted to Wayne saying, this is it, but I don't know what happened to him. He was behind me. Yeah, well, as soon as we got to the hill, there was there was obviously people in the air, and it was obvious that it, it was cycling through. So it was just a matter of waiting for you know a good cycle when you could see people actually making the best of it and getting up. It was quite busy, actually, on takeoff, so it was a bit congested to find a spot to lay the glider out. So I was just waiting for a few people to get off in front of me so I had a clear takeoff run. I watched a few of the cycles go through and some people were doing all right, getting quite high. As Jeff said, he took off, but then the cycle passed so he had to slope land. Quite a few people in this time were bottom landing. So it was never going to be guaranteed if you missed a cycle you could end up in the bottom field. Basically what I was looking for was a really good solid climb, good indication that some you know people were going up well or birds, and a sky that wasn't too congested so you could actually work and make the best of it. Um, I was a 
didn't really want to launch into some of the climbs where there was sort of 10 or 15 pilots low down, unorganised, kind of thermaling like that is very, very tricky. So I decided to launch when I saw a guy on his own out in front thermaling up quite solidly that I could actually reach it on a glide. So I just took off straight out to this guy and it worked and just climbed out with the first climb. Jeff was high at that point, but still on the ridge when I went over the back. And then he came to join me later, but I think Judith had already left at that point. Yeah, I launched when I saw the guy climbing out from the town, and there was another guy heading for the thermal as well. So I think in the end there was about six of us. And it was a good, strong climb. It took me straight to cloud base at um, about 3,500 um, feet. And so I, once I was up there, we all had to make sure that we didn't get sucked into cloud. So I decided to go and glide because it was a, a good cloud just ahead, downwind. So once I got to cloud base, I had no idea where Wayne and Jeff were, so I didn't know if it was worth waiting, and our radio comms were a bit hit and miss at that point. So I just went on glide, um, thinking, oh, well, I'll just go off on my own. Well, my own in this group. There were others with me. I followed Wayne straight off launch. We both launched with a 45-degree crosswind because the thermal was pulling it off. But Wayne shouted that he'd seen this guy in front uh, starting to climb out, and by then I was back on the on launch with my glider laid out. So I, I must have been, I don't know, maybe only 20 seconds after Wayne in launching, maybe 30 seconds. So it was pretty fast. And we, we just both climbed out. I was below him because I'd launched a little bit later, but we just both climbed out quite fast and didn't quite get to base on the first thermal. But it was a, it was a strong, clear climb out. Mm-hmm. Until we got a little bit higher, and then it started to get a bit weak. We had to search for it a bit. But there were three of us um, who climbed out in that, so we could just fly over to each other when we found out where the stronger lift was. Yeah, um, as Jeff said, as we got higher up in the climb, it got uh, really weak and scratchy, and I thought it would be quite easy with three of us searching for the best lift to actually maximise it but I really struggled and Jeff and this other pilot got above me and they were still climbing albeit slowly but I couldn't seem to to quite get up to them you know they were maybe 100 feet higher 150 feet higher so it was really frustrating I kind of put this down to the fact that I'm quite heavy on the glider or I could just be crap thermal <laughs> um, yeah I, I thought I was at least a thousand feet above your way <laughs> I don't think it was a thousand feet Jeff I think it was more like 150 <laughs> Um, but it was quite interesting after we sort of three of us had simultaneously decided to leave that climb because it was no longer working and we weren't at base at that point we were maybe I think 2,000 feet above takeoff we all glided off in different directions I looked directly downwind towards Hereford and could see Judith's group very very low indeed and thought you know there's a good chance they might be on the ground in a few minutes consequently later on we found out that they got back up but I decided to glide towards Ledbury, which is sort of from the south of the Malverns, purely because I could see some sun getting on the ground. There was a small ridge, which I'd flown over before and actually worked. And then if that didn't work, I'd maybe got a second chance of getting a climb off the town itself. I looked across to see Jeff flying off on sort of a northerly kind of track. He later said that I think he was going for, he could see a good cloud, um, but there wasn't any sun getting on the ground over the direction he was going. Um, the other guy was kind of in between both of us. So I kept an eye on what those guys were doing, and Jeff was sinking out quite quickly. And I thought, yeah, I'm glad I made this decision to go to the sunny bit. Went to the sunny bit, got quite low. The ridge didn't actually work, so I went to some brown fields behind the ridge, 
and then started to get a climb off there. And the other guy that was climbing with us came over and joined me, and we started to work that. And then I lost sight of Jeff. So what happened, Jeff? Um, just looking at my track log now, uh, in that first thermal, we, we actually climbed, or I climbed, to 1,157 metres above sea level. We weren't at base. We were a fair distance away from it, but it was still it was a reasonable height. Making the decision then where to go next, there were too many choices, in a sense, because the sky looked really good, clearly. And in the end, I chose to go for a cloud, which had a, a nice, nice flat black bottom, kind of ideal sort of cloud, I thought. So I was heading over there, and with my glider, it's, it's a great glider, and I really like it. But the sink rate's not stunning, especially with my harness, which is less than aerodynamic. So I do always lose out on the glide. But um, I was partway to this cloud, and as Wayne said, sinking fast when I saw a group of other gliders over to my left, a bit to the south, which I discovered later included Judith, who were very low, but who were just starting to climb out. And then there was another guy a little bit closer to me on his own who was starting to climb out very fast, just downwind of... Um, it looked like a bunch of greenhouses or something. It was it was a fairly big construction on the ground. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Um, it was polytunnels. Polytunnels, was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was acting as a trigger or something. But it was a very strong climb uh, that he had. So I just flew over to him. I cut across and flew over to him. And by this time, I was down to 500 metres above sea level. But got that climb. And it was it was just a climb, a very fast climb. Quite strong, actually, in places. And that took me back up to... 1190 meters above sea level. Judith and one or two others joined us as well, and we all climbed out together. Well, what has happened to me was when I went on glide from my first climb to cloud base, I was heading for a cloud. The direction I was going in was not towards Lebury, not towards Hereford, but kind of in between. And halfway along towards the cloud, I got a climb. And my vario, I'd, I'd gone on kind of max glide and, you know, was gliding it. 40-something kilometres an hour. But my Vero started beeping, so I thought, great, you know, I'll top up. And as I went to turn, my path was blocked by about four gliders who were all flying in convoy behind me. So I couldn't turn. So I thought, oh, well, great, you know, rather than all fanning out, we're all kind of going in a little line here. But the guys did actually fan out behind me. We did all get low together, and we did find a climb, but it was really scrabbly and weak, and we were getting each other's way, and everybody was desperately trying to find the core. And we were obviously trying to work together, and people weren't chucking each other out, but because it was so disorganized, it was really difficult. I tried to fly across to a trigger, a brown field. Um, It didn't work. And at one point I was thinking, if we don't find something soon, then we really will be on the ground. And it was at that point that I turned back and saw the guy climbing really fast. And I could see Jeff gliding towards him. And I knew that my best chance to get back up would be to fly back towards this guy. So I headed upwind quite a long distance. My glide was okay because I've got a slightly faster glider and a better harness. So for me to get there wasn't a big deal. And once I hit the climb, it was really strong and it got us up high again although we didn't actually go to cloud base after i lost sight of jeff i was still trying to make good in this weak climb which did come good for a while and the there was a the other guy who was on a well, i think it was an aspen 2 was actually came over and started to thermal with me and it was good it worked good for you know maybe five five minutes or something like that um but we didn't get to base with that one um, and then it fizzled out at this point i was quite comfortable with the with my thermaling and comfortable in the glider 
and with the conditions. The other guy on the Aspen left, went in search of something else, and I actually think I can remember actually going back into wind because I thought I might get something off this this tiny little ridge kicking off again, uh, and the clouds were looking quite good as well. And I think I did get a little bubble, and then the guy came back over to me again, and we thermaled again for a bit, and then he... I think he went on a downwind dash after we lost the lift, um, at which point then I think I started to head towards Ledbury, which is my favourite haunt when I'm going XC from Mulvans. It was at this stage where I was losing quite a lot of height, quite rapidly, and thought, unless I get another climb here soon, I'm going to be on the ground. So I was basically looking for ground sources from then on in and spotted these polytunnel things, which there seems to be quite a lot of around that area, and also some nice big dark fields as well. So having read all the books on dark fields and all this kind of stuff, you think, well, something's got to happen. So went on a glide, a massive glide, kept losing loads of height all the time, and was getting quite concerned, and I thought, oh, my flight's going to be over quite soon now. I since looked at my track log, and I think the lowest I got was about 300 feet above ground level, and I went downwind, what I thought was downwind of some massive loads of polytunnels, and there were some big brown fields as well, and at the edge of all this there was a quite a small field which I could land in, so that was going to be my landing field if I didn't get up. So basically, I was thermaling pretty much right down to the to the ground there, trying to pick something up. I got a few blips over this brown field, and then it, I'd lose it. And then all of a sudden, just like out of the books, I saw these birds, these little swifts or swallows, and they rushed in, and I thought, great, there's something, got to be something kicking off here. And bam, I got a six metre up to base from the ground, pretty much. If, if you'd been on the hang glider, do you think you'd have thermaled? Um, no. Right, so low. No, that is the great thing about flying cross-country on paragliders. It is, without a doubt, a lot, lot easier than XC on a hang glider, purely for the fact that you can thermal almost down to landing field um, without too much worries. On a hang glider, you're kind of having to set up three times the height that you would on a, on a paraglider to land, really, to get your approach sorted. But, yeah, it was it was quite good because there was this lovely little field which is right by the main road. I probably would have got back to the hill quite easily from there. Um, but it had this great sort of um, source or trigger just right next to it. So I really, really had this great climb up to base. And I can remember thinking when I was maybe two or 300 feet, feet from base, I really should start thinking about pushing out to the side of this cloud now because there's a good chance I'm going to get sucked into this one. It was quite strong. So just before I reached base, I pushed to the sort of downward ed- edge of the cloud and just started to go into the wispy bits, but I could still see the ground. I got on bar a bit and pushed downwind a bit more of it, and then looked back, and what I could see was behind the cloud that I'd climbed underneath, there was this massive, great, big, towering sort of cumulus thing, which looked really, really, you know, threatening and monstrous, and I can remember going on the radio and, and saying, beware, guys, there's some big, big clouds out there. I actually thought it might be sort of getting to the stage where it was there was going to be a few thunderclouds and that sort of thing, so I was very mindful of that. But then I went on a, another glide towards Hereford, and I could see at this point gliders downwind of me, you know, doing okay. So, yeah, where were you, Jeff? <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard you give the warning, actually, when, when you gave it, but it seemed fine downwind, so I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too worried. Just on your comments on hang glide, and I found the same as well. Going cross-country on a hang glide, I, you have to make a decision to land far, far sooner. You, you, 
unless unless the ground's nice and flat and plenty of landing fields, you can't really thermal right down to the ground. You've got to make a decision much sooner on the paraglider. The choice of landing field, you've got much, much, much wider choice of landing fields because you can land in slopes, you can you can land in things anywhere. Anyway, after after the, the second climb out, the one down into the polytunnels that I got to, with Judith, the sky seemed to be working everywhere and um, basically for the next 40 minutes or so looking at the track log we kind of just drifted together quite slowly because the drift wasn't that strong occasionally going on short glides to pick up a little bit more but my height then was um, just going between 1200 meters ASL and 870 meters above ASL so not uh, not a huge variation we weren't struggling at all from the way I remember it we were actually hopping from cloud to cloud, just using, trying to find the best glide line that would allow us to glide in lift all the time. Yeah, so, that's it, exactly. So yeah. maximising getting the distance with not losing much height. And that worked all the way until, well, I, I was actually ahead of you on glide and I chose to go to a ridge that had a cloud on, over it and there was also a quarry on that ridge. And I've become a great fan of quarries recently. They um, they seem to always work. So I, I knew that if we went onto the ridge, the cloud over the ridge was going to be our first chance. If that didn't work, then there was the ridge as a trigger. And if that didn't work, then we could always head for the quarry. I uh, saw somebody going over the quarry on the ridge who got very low. And then he got a screaming climb out. I was also climbing a little bit behind him, but I was much higher than him in the first place. But he eventually climbed past me. It was a very good climb. And uh, I think Judith came over to join in with that climb and somebody else did so we were at that point we were back together again this was just a little bit southwest of Hereford and that climb took us up to it took me up to 1390 meters above sea level and at that point we had to make the decision where to go to avoid airspace when we went on the glide to the ridge and to the quarry, it was quite interesting for me because there was people actually gliding past me. At least two people went past me, one a lot higher than me on an advanced glider and a guy on a gradient glider who was a lot lower. And I've not actually flown cross-country that much when I've been with a lot of people, when there's been so many people in the sky that's always been kind of that I've ended up on my own or just with a couple of people. And it was extremely interesting to watch other people and to try and suss out what decisions they were making and why they were making them. So the guy above me he was just gliding underneath the clouds. The cloud was very dark. You know, he was getting lift. He thermaled up to cloud base again from not very low beneath the cloud. But the guy who was beneath me, I was thinking, hmm, what are you doing that for? And where are you going? And he ended up just gliding and gliding and gliding. And at one point I was thinking, is he going for the power lines? Is he going beyond the ridge? And I was thinking, well, there's not going to be much in the lee side. He would have been better off on the front of the ridge. Um, so I was kind of watching other people and trying to suss out what they knew that I didn't know and what decisions they were making. So when the third person came along, I was already in weak lift beyond the ridge because the ridge and the quarry hadn't actually worked for me. I did find something over the power lines, but it was weak and broken. So when the other guy came who hit the boomer and we headed back to him and up with him, I still wasn't kind of quite clear what the source was that he managed to, you know, I don't know if there didn't seem to be a particular reason why he got a thermal there. But it was that kind of a day. Um, the sky was so good. I think there was just thermals all over the place. He got it off a ploughed field, I think. There was a definite discontinuity in the colours of the fields. And there were some power lines nearby. And power lines, of course, act as, as triggers 
to thermals. But I think it was the fields. He was very low. I thought he was actually on a landing approach, although it's difficult to tell because I was way high above him. But uh, I'm sure it was off off a field. What's also interesting is when you make the decision to um, switch between looking at the clouds as sources and then and flying the ground. And I suppose, I, I guess, up to a point you should do both. But certainly for much of that flight, I was just flying the clouds and not really taking that much notice of, of ground sources because because I was much closer to the clouds than I was to the ground. But clearly, when you get low down, you start looking at the, the ground sources instead. Three times in that flight, I got so low that I had to fly the ground. There was no, <laughs> there's no, there's no choice. I was so far from the clouds. But, you know, we were lucky that we that guy actually got the thermal. We managed to jump in there with him, and we got high again. So that was the point where we were starting to talk about how we were going to go negotiate the airspace. The SAS base is north of, just north of Hereford. It's a place called Credden Hill. It's a danger area, so... They do things like parachute drops from helicopters, I think, and that kind of thing. So it's not a good idea to fly over it. It is on the air maps and on the airspace charts. The other area to avoid is the um, radar testing station, which is just kind of on a line just downwind of Hereford to the west. And there's like a corridor you can pass between the two. Jeff and I were discussing on the radio which way we should go. Should we go north of the two sets of airspace or should we go through the gap? And we were trying to work out what was actually the best route in terms of getting ourselves into position and then being able to go on a downwind glide to get through it more easily. We decided that going north of both of them was going to mean that we were going to have to crosswind it a bit. And although the sky looked really good there, the sky looked pretty good everywhere. So that wasn't really a consideration. So we were sort of, oh, should we go this way, should we go that way? And we started going a little bit this way, and then we started going a little bit back, and then it was like, well, are you sure about this? But in the end, we decided that actually it would be best if we went through the gap, which is quite exciting, really, because, you, you know, you're flying completely off your GPS thinking, don't let me drift a little bit this way or a little bit that way. Although it is actually wider than, than you think, depending on where you've, you know, what zoom you've set your GPS to. But we decided to go for the gap, so we were trying to get ourselves into a good position, so we, we thermaled up as high as we could, and then allowed ourselves to drift with that thermal, but we hopped off the thermal when we were in a good position to glide, to get maximum glide through the gap, so that we would be able to cross with the wind helping us as much as possible, although there wasn't a lot of drift that day. But we did get ourselves in a good position, and luckily for us, in the gap, there was a small cumulus forming. So we were really pleased with our decision-making and decided to go for it. And that was probably, well... That was a fatal mistake. That was a fatal mistake. <laughs> you should never be too pleased with yourself before you do anything. You should be pleased with yourself afterwards. So we went in between the gap and got very low. We hit horrendous sink. The little cumulus cloud that was forming wasn't working. We couldn't find the thermal. So... Um, I was ahead of Jeff on the glide and Jeff was starting to say to me on the radio, I'm starting to really struggle, I'm hitting loads of sink, are you getting anything? And I was gliding to a farm that I thought had the best chance of working in terms of finding a thermal. And I got there and said, yeah, I've hit the thermal, but it was really, really broken. Yeah, I, on that glide I lost 1,200 metres in 15 minutes, um, which seems quite a lot to me. Judith did get something quite low down. I came in, uh, I don't know, maybe 150, 200 feet underneath her and just, just didn't get anything, really. So I, I took one last chance of going over a small village and still got absolutely nothing. And so I landed. Two minutes after I landed, we say, oh, I'm back at Cloud Base, I'm back at Cloud Base. 
really made my day. <laughs> yeah, before we hear about Wayne flying over us singing na 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 on the radio, I actually worked the broken thermal a little bit, but it was really, really broken. And as I was trying to center in it and find the core, I saw a seagull a little bit further on screaming up. So I thought, well, they know more than I do. I've got a better indicator of a thermal. That's where I'm going to go. So I went over and started the thermal with the seagull. And as they do, within 45 seconds, it went, oh, well, stuff that and flew off. So I was still in this broken lift that was good. You know, I was getting half the, the 360 was good. The other half wasn't. I tried to center a little bit. But because I was so low to the ground, it was getting blown around a bit. And I didn't manage to work it. So I went down about four kilometers um, from Jeff as I was, I picked my landing field and unfortunately, just as I was about to come in, I spotted seven horses in this scrubby field. So I had to divert and go to another field that had a few sheep in it, but it was big enough and the sheep were at the other side. As I was coming in, a thermal kicked off underneath me and unfortunately I was so low because I already had my feet out of my harness. I couldn't work it. There was no way if I'd 360 that I'd have hit the houses behind the field. But, you know, typically... You struggle. I then struggled to get down and land safely because I just kept bobbing up and then having to change my approach. So yeah, after thirty-five k or something, I was down. Yeah, and I um, watched you both land. I, I hope you're feeling sorry for as well. I, I do actually. I was crying at one point. I was probably about two miles upwind of you both, I think. And going back to what Judith said about the quarry on the ridge. I lost a lot of height from my, my really good climb to base. I went on a glide, lost a ruck of height, and was sort of approaching Hereford, the south end of Hereford, mindful of the SAS base, so I wanted to be south of that. And if you, I think there's a river that runs along just south of Hereford, well, actually runs through Hereford, doesn't it? And if you stay kind of on that track, you know you're going to miss the SAS base, and I was watching out for it on my GPS. But anyway, I was on a glide, and could see this ridge, and I could see this quarry, and at this stage, I wasn't, although I wasn't in lift, and I was, um, wasn't really too worried about getting up for some reason. I was just quite chilled out. I thought, oh, well, I'm at Hereford, and the tractor playing a field over there, and there's a ridge there, and there's a quarry there, and there's sun on the ground, and I was just chilled out about it all. So I went on a glide to this quarry, and before I got there, I was actually just could see like a buzzard thermal in beneath me, which gave me another good climb, not to base, but enough to sort of get me over the southern edge of Hereford, and then, lost that climb and then was on another glide towards the ground i could see where jeff and judith had landed and it was not that far from from where my next thermal source was going to be hopefully uh which was i think another sort of dark brown field and again i think i got down to about 300 feet on that one and then got a screamer back out which is always nice (laughs) (laughs) but i seem to be have this thing recently of getting these low saves which is all very well and good, but if you can't take it to base, then it's a bit frustrating. But it paid off, and then I made a decision either, you know, rather than keep going on my sort of current heading, which would have been taking me towards takeoff at Pandy, I wanted to try and get more north towards Hay on Wye, where I'd flown to a year before, and thought it'd be nice to repeat the flight, you know, a year to the day. It'd be really cool. So I was actually flew to the cloud, sort of worked a little bit, very, very weak. It was quite hard work, just sort of, you know, searching quite a big area to, to find the best lift and bimbled along. The drift, as Judith said before, the drift is very, very slow and you could sort of be thermaling 2,000 feet and you're pretty much over the same spot from the ground. But 
Yeah, bimbled along a bit with this under this cloud, and there was another guy, but he must have been on a quite higher performance glider because he was darting around all over the place. One minute he would be sort of, you know, half a kilometre downwind of me, and then he'd be half a kilometre upwind of me. So after I'd flown over Jeff and Judith, I um, was on track to the... You just had to get that in again, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I was on track to, to Hay on Y, and I would be sort of heading up just towards the... To Hay Bluff, the north end of the Pandy Ridge. Thought if I can get onto that ridge, then one more climb out of there, and it's guaranteed. You know, hey, I'm here we come. No brainer. So just downwind of where Jeff landed, there's there's like another little ridge just in front of Pandy, and there was some good sort of sun on the ground. As still, there was some good ground sources that looked good, and the, and the sky looked quite good as well. So I was flying between clouds, and then it just all fell apart on me. Got behind this ridge was probably about still 2,000 feet above above takeoff. And I was trying to sort of make the best of this really sort of like weak lift under these clouds, but it just was not working for me very well. So I gradually kept losing height, losing height, and then had to make a decision whether to sort of glide upwind to a ground source or just go downwind to another ground source. So I thought, well, if I just stay on this ridge, there's like a little... Brian Fields in the lee of this ridge, perhaps this might work. And it did to a degree, but it was very, very, very weak. And I just ended up basically just on a downwind dash, just flying through these little bits of bubbles um, towards Pandy, um, where the ground actually then comes up to meet you. So you've got, like, the first little ridge after Hereford, and then there's another ridge that comes up after that one, and then you go down to the bottom of Pandy, and then you've got Pandy itself. And I was basically still thermaling at sort of 100 feet above the ground, still trying to thermal, before I landed right at the foot of the Pandy Ridge. Um, there was buzzards, well, there was a buzzard climbing up, trying to climb up out of the, out of the valley. And I thought, oh, here we go, this is it, this is the one I need to, to get me over the ridge. But unfortunately, I was on the ground. For how many kilometres? 49. Ah, that's not bad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not bad for a day out, yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I mean, we, we definitely did make a mistake. I think one of the mistakes we made was with the airspace. We perhaps tracked it a little bit too far south of the airspace. We could have, given that we've got GPSs with the airspace maps on them, we could have um, tracked closer to the airspace and still avoided it. And we might perhaps have been able to follow a better line of clouds then. So that's one mistake. The other mistake is whenever you think, this is going really, really well, and I'm going to go a long way, then you're guaranteed to go down fairly rapidly. I think that was one of the mistakes that I made, that I was thinking, well, so far it's it's actually been not easy, but, you know, there's been climbs all over the place, the sky's looking really good, and I got too complacent. Well, not too complacent, but I started to take it a bit for granted. I think possibly we should have held back a bit on um, after the last climb and just stayed with the cloud, even though the drift was not very much we could actually have stuck around with that cloud and waited till the clouds formed a little bit better in front of us downwind and that i think probably actually that was the mistake more even than um, taking a bad track to avoid the airspace if we'd waited till there were better clouds downwind we wouldn't have um, I think we wouldn't have gone down. I think we'd have stayed up. And sometimes rushing on ahead is a mistake. If you're not in a competition, if you're not in a race, it's often better just to stick with what you've got and be very aware of what's happening downwind. And we knew clouds were forming all day. It was a really, really good day with a lot of distance in it. But I think because we rushed it, we um, blew it in a sense. 
Yeah, I mean, the clouds were actually getting bigger in places. There was a real big whopper over Hereford just to our north. I wasn't actually particularly worried about it going bang. I didn't think it was really going to overdevelop, but it seemed to me that it'd be better to kind of make some headway. And I think you're right. I think we became impatient and we, we decided to just go for it. I think another thing was that although we had a good reason to go where we did, because we did see a cloud forming, it was quite a lot of blue with just one cloud. So we only left ourselves one chance. And I think if we'd waited, like you said, then we would have had more chances because there would have been more more clouds forming in that area. The other thing is, well, although I, I didn't actually get low until right at the end, um, it's interesting listening from, from you two, and it shows that ground triggers and ground sources do actually work more often than not. Wayne got the climbs out from the, the ploughed fields. The power lines worked as triggers. The quarries worked. Ground sources do work. And if anybody's listening to this that hasn't that much cross-country experience, do read up on ground sources and ground triggers to see what you should be heading for when you do get low. Just picking up on that, I always sort of try and fly, you know, over a town if you can, but they never seem to work for me. I don't know why. Has anybody else? Yeah, I've flown over lots of towns, both on the hang glider and the paraglider, and they just never seem to work that often for me either. More often than not, they don't seem to work. Again, interesting, because I also felt that when I was getting to cloud base, I wanted to... um, push downwind a bit i was a bit concerned about what was you know what the cloud how the cloud was developing and what was what was above it and what was coming in after it um and as i said earlier i looked back and could see this great big towering cloud that i wouldn't have wanted to have been underneath on a paraglider and it kind of scared me a little bit and thought right well i'm at base now and i'll just go on a glide to um, another cloud but in hindsight maybe i would have done better to just like stick with that cloud and just take it a bit further although the drift was quite slow and it gets a bit frustrating when you you know under this dark damp cold cloud for a long time and you know you're not really covering the ground but um yeah i think that's a something that we've all seemed to agree on that you know we we maybe should have stuck with the clouds a bit longer There's also a lesson in there for me about having a plan. And one of the things on that day was that there were so many choices. There were so many clouds, so many ground triggers, so much sun on the ground. It was kind of like you were like a kid in a candy shop at the beginning where I had tried to look at the sky around me on my first cloud to decide where I was going to go next. I was trying to identify a cloud street that would allow me to just, you know, bimble downwind in one direction and although I tried to identify it by the time I actually got to cloud base I wasn't quite sure where it was anymore because I couldn't see it anymore because I was at cloud base so once I'd gone gone on glide I was trying to identify it again but it wasn't quite as well formed as it seemed to me on the climb up so because there were so many choices and so many places to go that made me disorientated and made my decision making not as decisive Usually I I like to be a little bit more decisive about where I'm going to go next and what I'm going to do next and try and identify, okay, there's my next source. That's where I'm going to go. If I find something better on the way, then I'll I'll divert from that plan. But I found that it was actually quite difficult to stick to a plan because it was suddenly like, oh, there's somebody else and they're climbing and oh, look, and there's a plowed field there and oh, look, there's a quarry there. So maybe I should have actually had a look at the terrain on a map first and, you know, try to develop a bit more of a plan. I think what you said about making decisions as you're climbing up is very important too. It's one of the things I'm actually quite weak at. When I'm actually thermaling up and going towards cloud base, hopefully, I sometimes concentrate too much on that 
uh, and don't look around me to decide what I'm going to be doing next as well. You need to be making decisions as to where you're going next on your way up to Cloudbase, not when you get to Cloudbase, because when you're at Cloudbase, you can't see anything else. You, you can't really see where the streets are. You can't see where's best to go. So when, you, when you're climbing up in a thermal, obviously you need to concentrate on I'm actually thermaling well, but another part of your head needs to be thinking, where should I be going next? Yeah, that's um, absolutely right. And it's quite easy to get zoned in on thermaling uh, and just not pay attention to what else is going on around you. But I've heard, you know, the, the sort of like the top pilots say and read, read about it. And yeah, it's quite right. You should, your thermaling should become instinctive and you shouldn't need to think about it at all you should be looking for the next cloud you know um, to glide to after you've actually got to base this is even more important with a paraglider where your glide is so much less than it is with a hang glider yeah um, I used to do exactly the same with the hang glider not really think that hard about where I was going to next until I got really high but you can get away with that to a certain extent with a hang glider because yeah. You can take the glides, you can go a long way, you've got lots of options. On the paraglider, especially on my paraglider with my harness, I can't glide that far. I need to be very, very clear well before I get to cloud base where I'm going to go to. The other quick point, that you can see so much more of the sky and the clouds on a paraglider than you can when you fly a hang glide. You've got, you've got a, a much better upward vision, so you can actually read the sky a lot, lot easier and a lot better position yourself under clouds easier on paragliders than you can hang gliders that's that's very true that's a very good point when you lose all your, your lift and you're getting towards you know thinking about maybe you know picking a landing field do you go for the the downwind dash to get the you know maximize your distance or if you you know maybe see a bit of a source ground source upwind that you think might work track back into wind and and do that and it's kind of like you know oh, what do i do shall i just glide to the ground downwind to get and you know if, if the upwind source doesn't work i might be two or three k worse off or something like that you know it's and that kind of happened to me me a little bit on that flight and in hindsight i probably you know should have just chilled out a bit more and took my time maybe gone back into winter to get actually a climb rather than just you know a downwind dash i think that depends to an extent on the type of day as well if it's a day which actually really is a really good day and lots of booming stuff everywhere, then it probably is worth tracking back upwind a little bit to go for that that source, that trigger. If it's actually been quite a poor day, you've done well to get as far as you have done anyway, it may be that perhaps the right thing is to go downwind to maximise it. It's a hard call. And no two days are ever the same, are they? Which is, nope. makes it even harder. The way I've worked on my patience is to try and concentrate on spending as much time as I can in the air and trying to forget about the kilometres. And if you look at it like that, that you're just trying to spend as many hours as you can in the air, then going for the upwind search will extend your flying. It doesn't matter if you've then lost two kilometres. And I think actually that's kind of the mistake I made at the end of the flight, you know, on the 10th of May. Once Jeff had gone down and that thermal didn't work, I thought, oh, well, I'll just then, you know, get the extra few kilometres out of this rather than saying, no, you, you there just was... just wanted to beat me. <laughs> well, no, I should have actually thought, you know, there was a thermal there. I didn't get into the core of it properly, but it was still there. And I, even if I'd landed near that farmhouse and therefore only like a kilometre from you, I should have still tried to find it rather than going, oh, stuff, I haven't found it. Oh, well, I might as well get the extra 3K because I know I can on my glider. And I think I should have remembered my mantra about spend time in the air. And that's the most important thing. 
Yeah, your priority is to find lift, and the distance thing comes second to that, really, because without the, the lift and the height, you, you know, you're not going to do the distance. So it's a lesson that I've learned, certainly. Patience. Patience pays off. Yep. Thank you very much, guys.